0: To Psalm chapter one twenty seven this morning. Psalm chapter one twenty seven. I'm excited to uh, share with you what the Lord has been doing in my heart as I studied this passage. But before we we get started, as way of introduction, how many here and feel free to raise your hands? How many of you here have either been a part of building your own house or remodeling your own house? That, I see that most everybody, even in the in the first service, about everybody's hand went up, and uh, uh, so. We uh, shameless plug—we we have a new building, as you've probably heard. We could really use some help uh, getting getting that uh, building ready for uh, this fall to move into it. Hopefully, Lord willing. Um, yeah, I I also uh, my wife and I also have been a part of a, a remodel project. It wasn't uh, by our own choosing, though. Um, so uh, it's probably my fault because I like dogs. Um, and uh, last year we. You know, we already had one dog, and then my wife and I had our son, and he was six months old. And I thought it would be a great idea to get him a, a buddy. So we, you know, it was it was more for me, really. I just I just used him as a justification for this. Um, and uh, so we got we got a, a puppy, and uh, you know, as puppies grow, they have things that we need to take care of, and we took him to the vet, and so he had a cone on, and uh, we found out that fireworks. And dogs do not mix. Apparently, Um, we were gone for an afternoon on the Fourth of July, and we came home, and our house was flooded because uh, somehow he had been spooked into turning on the kitchen or the the bathroom sink upstairs, and flooded the whole house. So we were (laughs) displaced for a few months, uh, and uh, I learned from that there's very very little I enjoy more than living in a hotel for three months uh, with two dogs and a baby. Um, So. so we had a remodel project, uh, fortunately, you know, I'm not really gifted in those things, so uh, uh, we, we left it to more capable hands um, to put it back together, but still we had to go and pick out stuff and be a part of that. Now, Psalm 127, uh, it's a song, just like the whole book of Psalms, uh, they're a group of songs that have been written for uh, the people of Israel to sing, to to remember uh, what God's done in their lives, and and each Psalm has a theme, and specifically, Psalm 127 is a psalm that's been written with a specific audience in mind, uh, the family. And it's been written by—most people agree that it was written by Solomon, but uh, it's possible that David wrote it for Solomon. Um, and Solomon uh, was able to use his abilities as the one who built the temple to really paint some beautiful imagery of what a family built on Christ should look like what the foundation of the family should be, and Solomon would know about these great uh, construction projects as he was given the given blueprints by his father to build uh, the temple. But he also built cities and his palaces, and there's many things that he built. Uh, and he uses this this knowledge to really give us this imagery about about the family. So with that, let's go ahead and look at verse one in Psalm 127. Verse one, unless the Lord. I got to stop there because I think every word of the Bible is important. And sometimes you can just really see how important a passage is from the very beginning of it. Just the th- first three words, unless the Lord, except the Lord, without the Lord even. Without the Lord, without him intervening in our lives, where would we be? I want us to think about that. His, without his power— all of us would find ourselves in a great deal of trouble in our lives. Where where were we before He stepped into our into our lives, into our stories with His grace and His mercy that we don't that we did not deserve. Um, the answer to that is found in another Psalm I've, I, I shared earlier, Psalm forty verse two, where David writes that. God brought him up out of a pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he placed his, my feet upon a rock, and he made my footsteps firm. Just like, just like David wrote there, all of us have been there. We've all been in a place where our, our best was not good enough. We're headed for destruction, and it was our own fault. But without the Lord, except the Lord, had he not stepped into our lives, had he not stepped into our story, we would most definitely still be on that path. The path that we made for ourselves, that leads to eternal separation from God. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, continuing on in verse 1, we see that he says, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Solomon makes this statement and he's he's rather definitive about it and he's he's very very clear about this, and he should know he's the wisest man to ever live, right um, the When Solomon is given uh, the the title of being king when his father passes off the scene he's he feels utterly utterly uh, inadequate and he feels like he's not able to do the job well and and God comes to him in a dream and he tells Solomon that he can ask for anything and he would give it to him. And Solomon in this moment, you know, feeling inadequate, he, he replies that he just wants wisdom. He wants a heart full of understanding, a heart that he can use to justly rule his people. And God, he sees his humility and he doesn't just give him his request, but he also, he gives him riches and honor in order to to better lead his people. Now with all this wisdom that Solomon has been gifted, God then instructs him to build the temple. And I find it very very interesting that even even the wisest man in the world had a set of blueprints written for him on how to do God's job, how to build God's house. Now, I don't know how many of you guys here have started building a a something for your your kids or or even for a project around the house, you start it and you start going through and next thing you know, you get carried away and you're, oh man, that screw does not go there. I don't know what to do. I got to tear it apart. I really should have followed the instructions. And God God gives us a set of instructions for our life. He's given us his word that we can go to, that we can trust, that we can rely upon and we can look in it and we can see what God has for us. Jeremiah 29:11 tells us that we, that God has a plan for us and he, he wants to give us a hopeful future. He wants us to be able to be who he's called us to be. And sometimes we see how God is leading and directing and we, uh, we don't like it. We feel like maybe we could come up with something better. Uh, Some misguided sense of, you know, ourselves. We think that we've, we've got something to offer. But God has higher ways and plans than we could ever imagine. And our work will be pointless unless we rely on Christ for our foundation. He's the starting point. He's not a step along the way. He is step one. He is the foundation for our lives. We see this explained by Jesus himself in Matthew 7 as he's finishing his sermon on the mount. And he tells this parable of these two houses, one that's built on a sandy shore, line and then another one that is built on a rock and jesus is using this metaphor of a a rock for himself as the foundation and through that parable he says that there's these winds and these storms that blow upon these houses and the one that's on the rock it stands but the one that's built on the sand is destroyed unless unless we build on the foundation that is jesus the storms of life and the temptation of sin it will overpower us it will it will stop our feeble attempts to live a life that's pleasing to god and when our best is far from good enough as we always find that it is we we find no hope because we've misplaced our faith we've put it in ourselves rather than in god now there's two ways that we can apply this and i think when we open the word of god it's important that we always we always come back to the gospel and we we just Lay that foundation of what it means to be in Christ. First and most importantly, our eternity hinges upon the placement of our faith. If we place our faith in Christ, nothing nothing this world can throw at us can destroy us. If we put it in ourselves and what we bring to the table, separation from God is all that we can come up with. That's the best we can do. And that separation is forever. Forever. The good news is we don 't have to settle the good news is we don't have to settle for this path that we that we 've made for ourselves. Jesus paid for our sins and he only asks that we place our faith and our trust in him. If we just turn from our ways and, and place our faith in Jesus, he can go to God on our behalf and make us acceptable in His sight now the second second application that I want to make this morning is Really, the application of this chapter, what Solomon's writing this chapter about, is he's assuming that we are, that the audience are believers, they're followers, um, they are the children of Israel, after all. And he's, he's leading them uh, in, a, in a way to build their foundation upon, on God. And I want to take the rest of these verses and really dive into what that can mean for our families, for our lives. Let's go ahead and go back to verse verse 1, and we'll finish that verse. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. So Solomon is using this imagery, again, as the king. He is the leader of the armies for uh, Israel, and he uses this imagery of a watchman in a tower who is guarding his—at his post, he's guarding the city— And he's looking for enemies. He's looking for anything that could cause destruction in the city. And Solomon says that here, really, even even if there is someone who's keeping their eyes out, there's nothing that can protect a city the way that God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, always present, can protect that city. It's vanity and foolishness to, to think that we can do anything better than God can do it. He's already given us these tasks, but he gave them to us because he has has enabled us to accomplish these things, not because we can accomplish them. Now that's not to diminish the fact that we are instructed to work. Um, I believe we can assume from this passage that we're assuming that building is is a normal part of the process. So unless the Lord builds the house, unless the watchman, uh, unless the uh, Lord guards the city, you know, it doesn't matter if our foundation isn't right. Um, no matter the work that we should be doing, no matter what we do, it's not going to be enough. Now S- Solomon, he he makes it clear in Proverbs, he, he's, he writes many different times where he's uh, Speaking against laziness, laziness and slothfulness. Uh, specifically, I, I I think of the verse: uh, "Go to the ant, you sluggard!" You know those the ants are always doing their part to make sure that their colony uh, is in in uh, the way it should be. And if we truly trust that God has our best interests at heart, that then we will work hard to follow His ways. We're not going to shirk our responsibilities. But we're going to rest in him and we're going to go to him for how we can accomplish these things. And in verse two, we see though that it's possible to lose this peace that God has promised us. Verse two, it is vain for you to rise up early and to retire late, to to eat the bread of painful labors for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. So he's saying here that it doesn't matter how early you get up or how late you go to bed and how hard you work. If you're doing it and you're trying to provide for yourself, provide for your family, and you're doing it by your own strength, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna wear yourself out. You're gonna burn yourself out. If we're going through life tired and exhausted, working our hardest while forgetting to rest in Jesus, our minds and our bodies, they, they'll, they'll have a bad reaction to these things. We, we were not created to bear this stress and this anxiety on our own. And sometimes we think that that's, you know, that's what life is, we just push through. But that doesn't mean that we can't go to God with those problems, with those issues. And this isn't to ignore the fact that there are some in this world who are faced with anxiety and depression in even the most mundane of situations where God God has given us the ability to seek help. And we should not ignore that. But the reality is this for those of us who are doing it to ourselves, we're seeking a better way ourselves. We're working hard to provide for our family. We're doing our best. And we never go to God with our with our needs, our inadequacies. We think we can somehow make it happen. This is this isn't intended by God. It's an evidence of a lack of faith and dependency in our all-sufficient Savior. First Peter says that we are to cast our anxiety on him because he cares for us. And then in Luke 12, he, he's again speaking, Jesus is speaking uh, in parables and he, he talks about the birds of the air and he talks about the lilies of the field and talks about how they don't even think about their next meal and they don't even think about when the sun's gonna rise to give them the, the nutrients that they're gonna need. They just, they exist and God provides. And Jesus says, how much more does your heavenly father love you and provide for you? A good father, he's not going to give a stone when the son asks for bread. He's going to give his child what he needs, what he is in need of to, uh, to live. Sometimes we spend so much time working uh, for our identity or even in our identity in Christ, and we look past what God has done for us. And wants to continue to do for us. And we just think that, well, I don't want to bother God with this. I don't or or maybe you think God doesn't see it. And that's just a lie. We 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 tell ourselves these lies so often. I know myself that I if I don't if I don't purposely wake up in the morning and think and give my day to God, things can get out of hand really quickly. And verses three through five continue on with this metaphor of the family. And really point at what a life that is built upon Christ can produce. Um, Let's go ahead and read verse 3. Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now, we see here that God, he's given us children as a reward, as a blessing. And... In Genesis, we see where God creates man and then God then creates woman for man. And then he gives them the command to to be fruitful and to multiply. And here in verse three, it couldn't be any more plain that in this world, in this society, we we see a lot of people that just, they don't place any value in, in children, in the unborn, in those who can't care for themselves. And this Psalm makes it clear that The miracle of new life isn't a mistake or a random happening. Rather, it's a intentional blessing from a God who delights to pursue a relationship with each and every person, whether whether their existence was humanly planned or not. And there are many examples to back this up. In the Bible, we see God blessing people who are unable to have children with children. Uh, Abraham and Sarah with Isaac Hannah with Samuel and Zacharias and Elizabeth with John the Baptist, just to name a few. And all of these people acknowledge that these are gifts. These children are from God. And verses 4 through 5 kind of show us what God's purpose is with our families and how he's going to use them. Verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior... So are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. So Solomon here is, he's making another comparison um, with uh, the the experience he has as a king. He's the leader of the armies, and he says that arrows— or children are as arrows in the hands of a warrior. So, so a father's children can be effective like this. Now, if we look at an, an arrow, the purpose of an arrow is to stand at a distance, not get involved in something, and make a difference from a, from a long ways away. And so an archer can, can make himself seem as ten men in the middle of a battle when he's really only one, if he has effective arrows. Now, unlike the arrows that when we go, you know, for those of you who enjoy archery now, you don't just, they didn't go to a sporting goods store and purchase arrows that have been mechanically made and perfected by all those who are geniuses in this business they, and they've got it all figured out. No, this is assuming that these, these warriors are building their own arsenal. They're, they make their own arrows because they're going to be the ones being using them, so they build their own. And an arrow will only fly as true as the attention to the detail and the patient shaping of the one who crafts it, as well as the practice shots taken before the battle. It would be, it would be foolish to go into battle with an arrow that only has two feathers on it and is not able to uh, properly shoot. You're going you're gonna to put your effort into it, but you're, the arrow's going to fall very short. The same is true with children. The impact of a family is greatly multiplied by the effective molding of children before they're turned loose into this world. Just like an archer has no ability to go and gather his arrows in the middle of a battle, it's kind of like that with our families. When we, as we raise our children, we're, we're shaping them to make a difference in the world. And if we're not seeking after God, if we're not focusing on what God has called us to and commanded us to do, we're not going to adequately equip them to be effective. And this is a humbling thought. I'm, I think of how many, how many stories I've heard of people who are, you know, they, they see their, their children as a burden, or we hear stories of people who are just, they, they weren't ready to be parents. And so they're, they're not able to handle the stress and they, and they pass off this, this privilege, this gift that God has given them. And it reminds me of how much I need to focus on myself, what God has what God is doing in me. because if my foundation is on is building myself, then I'm not going to equip my son uh, as I've, I'm a new a father Our uh, Griffin is our son he's 18 months old and it's amazing just how much of a gift he is and how much work he is. It's not something that just um, it just happens overnight, and, uh, you know, I I get the easy part, you know, I go to work, I go to work eight hours a day, and my wife's home with him, just instilling so many things into him, and it's really amazing to just, you know, as he grows, and as he's maturing, like, the things that we do purposefully, sometimes even not on purpose, they pick up on, and These, they're precious gifts that God has given us. And we are, they're a responsibility. They're a responsibility. And we've been entrusted them by God. And he's all knowing, and he knows just how bad we could mess them up. And he knows how often we don't really have to try because, you know, we just, our human nature, we, we make so many mistakes. And if we're focusing on ourselves and what we can do, then we're missing The point in proverbs 22 6 solomon writes that we need to train up a child in the way that he should go now the end of this verse i think gets misused quite often um it's if we if we instill in our children the way to do things and we we enforce it like then they're gonna they're gonna love what we teach them in reality it doesn't matter how much you want to teach someone something the The learning is up to them. And the consistency, should we continue to be consistent? Yes. But we should leave the results up to God. The end of that verse says that when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that's not saying that they're going to just magically just become perfect little replicas of yourself and they're going to follow God because, man, my parents are so great, you know, I want this too. No, it's because of God's mercy and his grace that, you know, they want to follow the Savior that we follow, in spite of our inadequacies and in spite of our failures. I'm also reminded that this actually is pointing to the fact that if we are seeking and following after Christ and we're putting Him first, that even when our children or if our children were to walk away and be tempted with things that maybe we weren't tempted with— or things that maybe we overcame with, and they walk away, and they're maybe maybe they put maybe they put God you know at, at arm's length, and they step away, and they just I'm not sure if that's for me. The reality is this: that if you are leading them with a heart that is you are truly after God, you you have placed your faith in God, your foundation is in Him. That at some point in time, God's going to use this. It's not up to us. God is the one who will draw. Them and draw their hearts. Just like a child is in need of physical care and affection and guidance, their soul is in need of the same grace and truth that we've encountered. And this is our greatest responsibility. We've been given this responsibility by God, and it's to point our children, the ones that we've been entrusted with, to the one who gave them to us in the first place. And this purpose is to advance God's kingdom. Despite our shortcomings, God will use our faithful training of our kids to allow us to launch them out into the world, into this battlefield, to, to send them out as we are going about in the great commission that God has given us, to go and to make disciples. But our, our first and foremost ministry should be our children. We should disciple them. We should lead them after God. And we can't do this if we aren't following and building our foundation upon God. Going back to verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. We can't build anything if we don't own it ourselves. And in verse 2, we see that it's vain to rise up early in the morning and to go to bed late just to get through the day. Just to, to make it happen. No, if we, if we seek after Christ, we can, we can find peace and rest. Then, sometimes we can even find ourselves looking at our children, the gifts that we've been given by God, as a burden, rather as a blessing. When we leave them out of the equation, instead of seeing our children as a gift and a reward, we see them as something that's, you know, is kind of an inconvenience. And that's a— and that's a sobering thought, because how many times I've had a bad day, or maybe you've had a bad day, and you've, you come home from work and you're just wanting to kind of get your space, you're wanting to, you know, reset, you know, I need some me time. And all of a sudden, you walk, I, I walk up to the door and I'm just like ready to just call quits for the day. I just, I just need my time. and the joy that my son brings to my face whenever I see his smile when I get home. It reminds me of my my dad was in the hospital over Christmas and he uh, he was telling me that when he was in the hospital at night when he was by himself um, there wasn't anything more joyful than hearing that lullaby that they play over the loudspeakers in these hospitals announcing the birth of a new child Um, or how about the when we take our children out and about and people you just see the smiles with maybe those who their children have grown and moved on and or live far away. Uh, And just what a joy, what a gift they are. Now, I've just got a couple of thoughts and applications as we close this morning. I just, I want us to take something home from God's word. First, I want to encourage each and every one of us to take a look at our lives, to reflect on ourselves. And maybe it's in your personal walk with God and when you're when you're reading your bible and you see this um, God shows you something and it, it kind of ooh, it's like ooh i i I'm, I'm not doing well in this area or this situation is not i feel inadequate i feel like i i i have the don't have the abilities to do this don't think you're the only one i think that if we're all being honest we've all been there and we all are going to be there again as we go through life and i'm i'm kind of i feel uh, inadequate myself just even opening to this passage as honestly i had another psalm that i had already picked i was like oh if i preach in psalms i'm, I'm going to preach on this one and and then i'm reading my d- devotions in psalm 127 i'm like oh man i don't know if people <laughs> i don't know if i could speak into this because this like i i'm growing i'm i'm there's areas i'm struggling in and i need to and, and God has used this study to really help encourage me and to grow me in my own life as a husband, as a father. I'm so thankful that God uses imperfect people for his perfect perfect plan. Like his word can do what we can't do. It pierces through our hearts and it shows us where we fall short and where he comes through faithfully. Maybe you aren't even... Um, Reading your Bible consistently. Maybe this hour on Sunday is the deepest you get. Um, I want to encourage you. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to build you up. He's just uh, just like he says in verse one that he will build the house, and its labor and our labor is in vain without him. In in First Corinthians chapter three, Paul is actually talking about this very situation and he's talking about how we are as believers, we are a temple of of God, and that He is building us up, and that as we, as we go through this life, if we're building on this foundation, we can uh, become who He has called us to be. So, I just encourage you, take that time. Open your Bible. Read it. See what God has to say. You know, call out to Him and ask Him to show you something. He will. I promise you that. Maybe... Your spouse and your kids are kind of your, um, maybe they're the ones that are showing you that you need some work. Maybe you're being reminded of, oh man, this situation, like I thought I was doing well in it, but they're like, well, you could have done better with this. Or maybe your kids start doing things, you're like, oh man, I have neglected in this area. I really need to, to, to work on this. And thank God for that. That is That is a gracious gift that he's—it's a gift of mercy that we have a family that he's entrusted us with, that even when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, that God can use them to help us draw closer to him and lead us back to him. Maybe you're frustrated with where you are in life, and you feel like you've exhausted your resources. You're physically, you're spiritually, you're emotionally drained— Maybe you feel like you have no other choice but to give up and to walk out. Like verse two. You know, we're we're going through the motions. We're getting up early. We're going to bed late. We're doing our best. We're working hard. And it just doesn't seem good enough. Verse two, he says that he gives his beloved in his sleep. Now, I'm no no whiz at science, um, but I do remember this, that... The body does its most healing when we're sleeping. Now, obviously, you're not doing a whole lot of praying and reading your Bible if you're sleeping. But if you're resting in Christ, if you're seeking after him, if you're going to his word daily, if you're, oh man, I've missed this opportunity. I need to, you know, I need to see my my inabilities and I need to go to God and I need to just place it on him. Just like we talked about earlier with, when it comes to our salvation, it's not anything that we have done, anything we can do to earn it. So, so when we're going through life and we're, we're struggling and we're, we're fighting to just exist, just God wants us to rest in Him. And there's many different ways that we all have different personalities. There's different things that we can do to really set our, to kind of get ourselves in a place where we can just rest. But the only way that we can ever rest in Christ fully is to just see what He has for us. He's cast our anxieties on Him. Let Him care for us. Just own the fact that we are unable to please Him without His intervention. Maybe you feel like you're, you're ready to just give up on this situation that you're in. And God wants you to bring it to Him. He wants you to bring your burdens to him. He wants you to rest in Him. And maybe that will require some tough conversations on your part. Maybe you need to talk to someone who, you know, and just be vulnerable. Let them know you're going through this valley. You're having these these issues. Maybe you need to go to your spouse. Maybe you need to go to your kids. Maybe you need to just have those conversations and let and just be real. Let someone know where you're at. That's why God has ordained his church here to be to be a family that we can go to with our problems we can talk to them and get the help we need we can't do this alone god can supply our needs and maybe maybe you're you're a a parent and you're reminded that your your purpose is to make christ known and maybe we haven't been doing it as well as we should Allow the gospel to transform your family and turn it into a tool to reach your, to reach your community, to reach those that you come in contact with. There's, there's no better tool, I believe, in, in the world than, than the family unit um, in the purpose of God. God created it all the way back in Genesis, and he has sustained it all the way till now. It's his plan for the family to be used as his method for reaching the world. And God will use your family, but it takes intentional, patient training of yourself and your kids because in and of ourselves, we, we, we don't find ourselves um, seeking to go after God uh, on our own. Maybe you're not married yet, or maybe you're a family who you found out or you've been told that you may never have your own family, uh, biologically. And there's so many opportunities out there to be involved in people's lives. The gospel is a beautiful story of adoption. Um, I know last night uh, we, we had the opportunity to go to a concert uh, for uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman, and there's so many different um, organizations out there that do this, but they I was reminded once again last night of, the power of adoption and and these uh, and foster care where this, this organization has been around for now 20 years and they've placed 8,000 children in homes where they're able to hear the gospel. Um, maybe, that, maybe that's something that you're interested in. Maybe that's something that you're not interested in. And yet there's still people that you can invest your life in. God wants us to be a part of the family, whether we adopt, foster, raise our own families, uh, find people in our church that need someone to, to be in their lives. That's our purpose. It's to be known and to make him known. The life, the family that is built on Christ is built to last, and his kingdom is forever. Let's go ahead and pray. God, I just...